0: Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary.
1: Welcome to the Table, where we discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary, and our topic today is young women in ministry. And I have three ladies. there are three of my favorite ladies here on campus. Uh, I work with two of them, and the third one is my daughter. So, uh, so it's a combination of the women I spend more time with than my wife. Uh, so, uh, But they're all three engaged in ministry and in uh, different ministries. So there's Elisa Laird here on the far end, and she is my daughter. So if she slips and calls me dad, it's okay. And then Heather Zimmerman who works at the Hendricks Center uh, with me, and uh, and Kimberly Kimberly Cook, Uh, (laughs) I always call her Kim, so Kimberly Cook, who also works at the Hendricks Center, Uh, and all of them have a seminary background and ministry background. And the way this works is, is that Elisa is married, but her husband does not work with her husband in ministry. Heather is single, and Kim is married and works with her husband in ministry. So that's the way we've broken this down. So I'm going to let each of you talk about the ministries that you're engaged in, and we'll go from my right to my left. So, Kim, you get to start.
2: Okay. Um, I am largely engaged in uh, singles ministry uh, with my husband at the church. And we do uh, my main responsibilities with him are um, discipleship of the leadership team. And you know, working with especially the women there because mm-hmm. he is a man, and mm-hmm. working with single women is kind of difficult for him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it, I'm a I'm a good buffer. Okay. And um, so we work discipleship, and then we also do. Uh, we've started writing Bible studies together mm-hmm. for both the men and the women's Bible studies, and then I also co-teach with him um, both on Sunday mornings and also at. Um, Like specialty events, we have like a thing called Doctrine and Dessert, Mm -hmm. where he and I sit and we walk through doctrine, Mm -hmm. you know, like just random doctrines Mm -hmm. (laughs) with Mm -hmm. our singles. And so I'm with him kind of all along the way, and my seminary background allows me to kind of hold my own ground as well as because you you majored in systematic
1: theology, right? Mm -hmm. So you and John Calvin are just like this BFFs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, Heather.
3: Yeah, so I've been involved in various things, um, and I'm kind of at a transition point right now. But my main ministry experience was working for four years with a short-term missions organization Mm -hmm. that facilitates mission trips for youth groups. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a leadership position overseeing the staff teams who ran the mission sites. And now I'm transitioning into theological education, and this summer I'm traveling to Ethiopia to teach at a Bible college there.
1: And you've done some social work as well, basically, right? Is that, is that yeah. yeah, yeah. So
3: the organization that does the short-term mission trips does a lot of community development and poverty alleviation. Mm-hmm. So that's probably my biggest experience. But I'm hoping to go into theological education.
1: Okay. And Elisa,
3: um, I'm at Bentree Bible Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the early
0: childhood programming director, um, and so my basic responsibility is crafting our worship times for our kids. Um, recently transitioned from doing both elementary and early childhood to just now early childhood. Um, my primary um, experience, uh, ministry-wise, has been at at churches, so um, and in kids ministry, mm. and so that's basically. I do?
1: Okay, let's talk about how you came to end up in ministry. How how did this how this happen? I, I I think we'll just do the same sequence. Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> I always knew I wanted to be in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started uh, when I was 16, I worked at a camp and mm-hmm. I worked at that camp for six more summers all through college and I knew that I wanted to be in full-time ministry. That's what brought me to seminary. And I ended up getting married, which I never would have seen coming. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I'm in a different sort of ministry and a role than I would have ever thought. Mm-hmm. I would have thought I would have been a little bit more in an active role mm-hmm. in a church or in, an or in a seminary or college or something. But at this point, you know, I landed in a more of a
3: family type
2: ministry.
1: Okay. All right. And Heather?
3: Yeah, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I've actually wanted to be a missionary ever since I was seven. Like oh. I would pretend my Barbies were missionaries. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> pretend
1: like, like Mom. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Barbies played yeah. that way, but that's yeah. a, that's a new one.
3: Yeah, or we'd pretend it's when our parents had small groups that they were the communists and we were like mm-hmm. trying to smuggle Bibles past them and wow. stuff. So yeah, so that was kind of my, my childhood. Bible
1: smuggling Barbies. Yes. I don't think I've ever quite heard of that ministry before. This okay? is
3: a whole yeah. new YouTube channel. Exactly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, Young God. women in ministry
1: <laughs> Yeah, is you, you never know exactly what. <laughs> right. nice. okay.
3: Yeah, yeah and, so then um, I wanted to go – I went to Moody to go into missions mm-hmm. and was considering Bible translation but realized I'm not a linguist. And so, long story short, God brought me here.
1: Okay, very good.
3: Well, um, mine's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. I was pretty much
0: sure I was not going to end up in ministry. Yeah, thanks and, to your dad,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: everything yeah. I saw, I, I did not at all want to be in ministry. I wanted to go into journalism, mm. and um, so I, 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 looking back now I say this is me being Jonah and kind of fleeing. So um, I went into publishing, I was in publishing completely happy, and then had my first child. And the publishing world isn't exactly conducive to raising a family. Um, I had authors calling me at all nights wanting to go through pages and stuff. and. 10 p.m., that's just not okay. And um, a position came open at our church in Illinois for the office manager, and I was like, oh, it's 9 to 5, Monday to, w- Monday to Friday, I can get the work done. It's not really ministry because I'm just like a secretary in the office. Um, that's how they get you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I volunteered for kids ministry, so I figured, hey, if I get all my work done, then I can do my volunteer stuff while I'm at work, and it works out really well. And lo and behold, I've now been in ministry, I calculated up nine years. Mm-hmm. It's the longest I've been in any one area of work. Um, when I, we moved here to Dallas, I switched over to kids ministry, which is what I'd been volunteering in. And I can't see myself doing anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've kind of fell into it, huh?
0: Yeah, I totally fell into it. <laughs> 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 but it's, it's what I was created. It's the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what God was like. Patiently bringing me to.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you said um, you were having to negotiate this space. Uh, the, the interesting remark was is that journalism, or at least editing, is not uh, particularly conducive to family life. You sometimes hear that about ministry. So <laughs> I, I'd like to compare those two a little bit.
0: Well, you know, and that's true. I mean, mm. I would say that's probably my constant struggle is that balance between family life and ministry life and what I feel called to do. Um, It's cool because now that my boys are 8 and 10, they're older, and so we're able to bring them in more um, into what we do. So one of the things that we do, we have a local outreach that we do every Martin Luther King Day with the local elementary school where we host a one-day kind of camp so that way parents who don't have the opportunity for childcare can have their kids taken care of. And our kids volunteer and buddy with them. Mm-hmm. And so normally I, I work that but my boys got to do that with me and so it's really been kind of cool passing on that legacy and looking for opportunities to where our whole family can participate even though i'm on staff they can participate in ministry alongside us so there's a little bit more of a balance bent Tree is also really really flexible in a lot of ways and so there aren't very many situations where I feel like I have to choose between my family or my work or my ministry, so to speak.
1: Now, there was a time when Ray, your husband, was ministering at Bentry alongside you in Correct. a different role, but there, and that is no longer the case. What difference has that made for for ministry, or has it impacted it
0: Um It's actually made it a little easier.
2: <laughs> um, I
0: mean, what, what my husband does, he's a video engineer, and so he travels, and so when he's gone, it's kind of like it was before where you're kind of single parenting and you're having to balance things. Um, but when he was there, we both had demands. And so we would both, and we worked for different areas. I worked in kids and he was with worship and arts. And so the time frame for when your big events are is mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. but the requirements are different. And so we would take turns, there was a lot of, okay, we're getting to the church at 6, 6.30, you take the kids from here to there, I'll pick them up here, I'll check them in, here are the tags, you pick them up, and it was a lot of that, and now it's more of, like, when he's home, he just is like, okay, I'll get the kids, I handle all that, you know, hey, you need to work late, no problem, I'll handle homework, there's a little bit more of a give and take and a little bit more freedom.
1: So there are different dy- we're we're probing here different dynamics of what goes on with women's ministry, to kind of depending on where you are in your stage in life. So you've got to balance family, Heather. You've got an, another issue to deal with, and since we're kind of in this in this category, and that is, as a single woman ministering in a, in a context, is there have you found that challenging at all in any way, or have you are just you just plunge ahead.
3: Well, both. <laughs> I plunged through the challenges. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I, I mean, Kim's been there too before. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all of you have been because we're in forever. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, part of it's just the financial burden mm-hmm. of like, well, some a friend of mine was joking the other night that like us outside of seminary, we, we have to go to bed early and get up early. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I have to bring home my own bacon and cook it too and do my homework.
1: <laughs> so, uh, So
3: there's the financial burden of that. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, it's nice because there is more free time Mm
4: -hmm.
3: in that I don't have to balance the juggles of family life. But then I don't really know how to describe the other sides. There's the matchmaking, Uh which I'm fine if God does the matchmaking. (laughs) Um, And I guess some of the expectations, I think some of us single women and maybe women in general can sometimes be seen as like a threat if we're not married, Mm -hmm. that we're like a potential like temptation or something, which we're just there to do our job and do ministry.
1: Yeah, we, we, we can uh, actually we did a previous podcast with Sue Edwards in which we mm-hmm. talked about how women are viewed in ministry and how that actually is one of the challenges is 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 that women can be set apart and treated very differently because they're women, but not because of anything that they've done mm-hmm. personally, and so that that's an odd spot to be in in some ways. Um, Kim, now you've got another adjustment coming. You're you're yeah. facing um, getting ready to have your first child, and, w- yes. and we've mm-hmm. had to negotiate <laughs> As a <laughs> center.
2: <an adventure. Yeah.
1: laughs> As a center, your role in ministry while trying to help you move into the adjustment of mm-hmm. preparing to have a child, et cetera. How, how have you found that experience so far?
2: Stressful <laughs> and super um, – just an open-ended question you know. at yeah. this point, and I, I don't know who I am as a mother, I mm-hmm. don't know who I am as a mother working, I don't mm-hmm. um, know any of those kinds of things, and so just trying to, I don't know, just be patient and see and, and have open hands, and I would love to continue mm-hmm. to work, and I've, I feel like our work here is ministry, mm-hmm. and so I would love to continue to be in the ministry even here, but I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what that looks
1: like. Yeah, and of course we've had to negotiate giving you the space of being a mother and being pregnant and, and everything that comes with that. And so we we talk about that. I, I, and, I, and this is actually part of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast is because we've got really three different situations. But any ministry has to cope with the variety of of challenges that come from ministry in these kinds of circumstances. And so uh, we've had. Discussions about you know kind of what's ahead, and and then uh, dealing with um, really the realities of being pregnant in some mm-hmm. ways. Well, it's a
2: very young women in ministry issue, <laughs> yes. like whether you're in academia, you know, because right. it came up in discussions that I had with some professors on PhD, mm-hmm. and then it also has come up here and in you know ministry. It's it's just a very unique time in life, and mm-hmm. obviously, it's only possible for one gender, and right. so it's just a very unique area where right you and everyone have to and everyone
1: has to na- navigate. And then, and then, just to be honest, and again with some disclosure, your early pregnancy has been challenging yes, health wise, so. and so, um, so there's that adjustment that mm-hmm. you have to go through as well. Some people sail through that, and other people, you know, it's don't. hard. <laughs> so, uh, so, so there's been that. Aspect of things, mm-hmm. and so it requires uh, uh, it requires people who are uh, managing people in ministry, young women in ministry, who find themselves in this situation to be um, open and flexible in order to deal with what it is that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we haven't treated you poorly. No, you haven't.
2: <laughs> and actually, I, w- I want to say I think that is such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I I've heard you know I've read a thousand things. I feel like at this point on this whole area, Um, but I feel like I heard somewhere that if it's kind of been shown that if you, if an organization or a boss is um, committed to the female worker who is pregnant and, you know, and flexible and tries to work Mm -hmm. with her, she will be loyal to them forever. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's just such an interesting time. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I can really identify with that. You know, is it's like I I do feel like DTS has been flexible with me and and willing to work and kind of saying, okay, well we'll just see what happens and Mm -hmm. we'll figure this out. And I think that's such a such an important thing because it you don't want to close off women our age mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. even though it has to take on a little bit of a different tone. Right. Yeah, right. and
0: I mean, I don't know, I my so I was pregnant with my first in the yeah. secular world and then I was pregnant with my second when I was on staff at that church in Illinois. Hmm. And while both like as far as the health aspect goes, both were extremely flexible, but I found that the church was actually way more accommodating than uh, than my publishing house, and mm. that was one of the things that actually made it hard when we moved down here. Was, well, geez, these people have been with me, and my and my second pregnancy started out a little rough. Like we thought we were actually gonna gonna lose mm. the baby, and I remember I remember making having to call my boss in and tell them, hey, I need to go home. I have to be on bed rest. And they prayed over me, and they said, "You take however much time you need. We'll figure this out. No questions asked." I mean, they they checked in on me, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because they were passive aggressive and like, "Hey, come back." You it was pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and it was. And then when it came time, we sat down, and I'm like, "Okay, I've got two. I can't afford two in full time childcare. Would you consider job sharing?" This office manager, and he was like a little nervous about that. He's like, "Uh." and we found somebody and it was he's like i never thought this would work but this was awesome and so they were willing to try something mm-hmm. and so even as somebody for lack of a better term is you know on the lower level of skill-wise as an office manager which does require a lot of skill but just it's not like a pastoral or a staff position to be willing and to be flexible to accommodate those kinds of family desires and and financial considerations was huge for me.
2: Well, and it allows mm-hmm. you to keep your talent, mm-hmm. you know, and and you you know mm-hmm. have continued and even taken on greater responsibilities as you were able, and they didn't lose you in the midst of that because they were flexible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too when you're when you're young um, and you're still figuring out who you are, like you said, as a mom, as mm-hmm as a ministry worker, as as far as your calling goes, to have that kind of flexibility and that relational collateral really helps you continue to have open doors to where you can continue to grow on that path, whereas I don't know necessarily if that door had shut, what that would have done to me in terms of ministry and whether or not I would have felt felt free to continue, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: So that's interesting. That means that not only is there loyalty to the employer, but there may well be an impact on how you view ministry long term in terms of how you're you're treated in this kind of a situation. Which is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's go through, uh, and uh, the the rest of what we're going to do is probably going to going to park here in some ways. Um, let's go through some of the challenges of ministry in being in in being. Female and I kind of want to segment this uh, in, in, in that the first conversation I want to have is all right um, you know we're we we're at a very conservative seminary you know you're in some context of ministry where the issue of women in ministry is not controversial at all in terms of what they do or whatever and so it's uh, theoretically it's supposed to be a little more straightforward run but but in this context where you're in a theologically conservative environment where some have questions about the role of women in certain kinds of ministry. Um, how did you find, first of all, your semi- – or are you finding your seminary experience? How How have you been treated by, you know, people other than your husband and your boss <laughs> 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 uh, uh, in, in ministry? And what does that, that mean? And what, what advice would you give to a young woman who's thinking about coming into ministry and going to seminary about what she might have to be prepared to face.
2: Is that me? Yeah, okay. you're you,
1: you're getting to lead off a lot. Great. Of <laughs>
2: Great. Um, I honestly, I had a fantastic seminary experience. Hmm. I I really didn't encounter much um, friction. As far as me being a female, um, there were, you know, and I and I did the THM here, so mm-hmm. I was in a lot of the classes where I was the only woman mm-hmm. in the room, and for the most part, I felt welcome. I sometimes I kind of felt like their mascot. A little bit. Like they, <laughs> they would cheer for me when I got something right in Greek or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, could never do that. but it was never, you know, in a in in a harmful way. I think they were really excited that there was a woman in there and mm-hmm. they were cheering me on mm-hmm. in a very helpful way as brothers in the mm-hmm. Lord, you know. The the only people I think I ever had run-ins with were students mm-hmm. more than faculty members or administration or anything. Mm-hmm. And those students, you know, They're working through things too, Mm -hmm. and they're figuring out what they think, and they're encountering new things. And for the most part, even the male students that I ran into that had some questionable statements, um, I even had them come back and apologize Mm -hmm. later on. You know, several Mm -hmm. years later, and say, "I've learned things since then, and I really, you know, it stood out to me, and I apologized for that." So I had a I had a great experience, and I would just encourage anybody, any woman who is considering it, to come in and not really have defenses up. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe one thing that I, I just didn't have. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't carry myself as a woman in seminary. Mm-hmm. I just carried myself as a seminary student. Mm-hmm. And I think that m- made a big difference, at least in my interactions. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Heather?
3: Hmm. Yeah, mine was different. There's kind of like part one and part two. <laughs> so part one was really challenging. And there's also the geographical dynamic here. So I was from a very, a part of the country where women are in very high levels of leadership and education and everything. And so coming down here was really, I hate telling people this, but honestly, I didn't realize I was a woman until I came here. Mm-hmm. Not, not that I didn't know my gender, yeah, but yeah. I never felt so defined by it. And there were a lot of challenges my first half, and there was a situation where I was denied a ministry experience during my time here because of being a young, single woman. And so, which that person I worked at now, we're on great terms. Um, But that was really hard, and I left that that season really bitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then part two has been wonderful, and I served on the Academic Affairs Committee here, got to see the men who are really leading this seminary and hear their hearts, and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even just now my preaching class, I'm the only woman in it, but the men are amazing, and we just have a great camaraderie. And so, yeah, and a few negative situations with students. One guy, uh, when he asked what my emphasis was, and I told him I want to go into homiletics, but that's not really the best path for me as I'm going into New Testament, and he's like, have you considered celibacy a possibility? (laughs) And so thinking no guy would want to do that. But aside from that, it's really been good overall.
1: I almost turned this into a sports metaphor. The first half and the second exactly. half. And the first half was kind of interesting, and the second half was was better. But I want to probe some of the things that you ran into in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you share some of the ex- no names, please, but oh, some that? of the experience, some of the experiences that you had that 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 signaled or created awkwardness in being a woman in ministry.
3: Yeah, and I will say, I my first half was better than some other women's first half because I went to Bible college before coming here. So you so, were
1: inoculated. <laughs> well, both
3: inoculated. <laughs> although that also had two parts as well. Yeah. And so similar, similar style. But I had three years of Greek coming in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the comments my girlfriends were getting from guys, about this being a man's program and just having lower expectations of them intellectually. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that as much, even mm-hmm. though some of them were smarter than me because I had already taken three years of Greek. Mm-hmm. And so that helped my background. But I think
1: – So you could out-parse the guys if they gave you a hard time. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And so I think part of it was – is a, and I just – you know this from my personality. I don't like being boxed in. Mm-hmm. And that so often when – men and sometimes women think about women in ministry, there's certain categories that are okay for a woman to do. And I'm not talking about the broader (laughs) biblical standards of men and women. I'm just talking about like cultural stereotypes Mm -hmm. and that women who aren't passionate about Pinterest and putting on women's ministry events that are like that, which are wonderful and they're Mm -hmm. needed. Um, but women who have passions for homiletics, for preaching, for teaching, for leadership, mm-hmm. often those are seen as threatening, even though we're not trying to take over the church, mm-hmm. not trying to be a senior pastor, and trying to find a place for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so sometimes men not understanding that and feeling threatened by that, uh, or just not treating us as academic equals.
4: Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there.
1: Okay, so that's kind of the overview. Do, are there any particular incidents that you remember that are kind of typical, or that you're aware of that other students have had as they've gone through that kind of uh, indicate uh, things, t- uh, just to be aware of, and, and then and then think about how you negotiate your way through the through that kind of space.
3: I think one thing. This is kind of general again, but it comes from specific incidences, is that myself and some friends have felt that that people treat, those of us who are single women going into ministry who do desire to get married, that ministry is just a way of our passing time until we get married, Mm -hmm. and then we'll fit into this nice little box as a pastor's wife or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so realizing, no, I genuinely want to do ministry, whether or not God provides that man, and I want to continue doing it. Obviously, different seasons of life, things will change, Mm -hmm. whether you get pregnant or move or whatever, Um, but seeing that I am a valid Contribution to ministry, not just passing time. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that makes sense, and I, I think that that is actually a very important um, common problem that, mm-hmm. that does come up uh, in relationship to women being involved in ministry. Lisa, what has your seminary experience been like? Has it been that hard? You're you're in a slightly different situation yeah. in that you have been. In ministry, the entire time you've been here as a student, so you're more a commuter student than really being a part of the Correct. community here. So that makes it a little bit different. But still, have you run into anything as you've done your work?
0: Yeah. Um, so a lot of my struggle um, is, is really, really deeply personal. And so sometimes when I've been. Um, been in class. I I don't I understand exactly what you what you're saying about you know. There's this box and there's this expectation and I've never fit into the box. I've always been different, which is fine. Um, sometimes well, sometimes it's fine for me. Sometimes it's not, and depending on my mood, it'll determine whether or not I how I feel about that. But and that so that's been a lot of what I feel like this um, the season and just this journey has been. Um, in that. I think one of the reasons why I wasn't interested in pursuing ministry earlier on was because I felt like there was this box and I looked at the box and I'm like, well there's no way mm-hmm. I'm ever going to fit into that box. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't operate the way a lot of women operate. I don't look the way a lot of women look. I don't I I, I don't process things the way a lot of women process. So clearly that's just not going to work for me and I need to find a different avenue. Um, and then, as I stepped into obviously kids ministry, which is traditionally completely okay for <laughs> for women to be in, but I've always gone about it a little bit differently. Um, it was okay. And um, then making the decision to come into seminary, you know, I figured, well, I'm going to do online classes and I'll take a class here or there, and I'll be able just to kind of scooch in under the radar, and it'll be fine. And I uh, I took a class, and we were. Um, we were doing group projects and I was the only woman oh, in dear. this group and we were talking about gender differences. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of interesting. Um, and a lot of the conversation, it was great conversation. The guys were amazing in terms of just us navigating, it, but it did bring up some stuff. And I remember coming home, um, I remember because you don't necess- because I'm not on campus a lot and so I don't know a lot of people, it's not necessarily a safe the group environment's not necessarily a safe place to process mm-hmm. that stuff so i'd come home and i'd be talking to my husband about all this personal stuff that it brought up in the sense of i want to be obedient to my calling i want to follow where god is leading me and i on the one hand i don't want to just push on ahead because I feel like I am female and I can do anything and everything that a guy can do because that's not necessarily what God's calling me to. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to be disobedient in the sense of saying, well, traditionally that's a that's a guy's role, so I I shouldn't even consider that. That's off the table. But there's this for me there's always been this just emotional process of working Mm -hmm. through what that is and wanting to like i said be obedient not only to my logical thought process but also to scripture and so sometimes it means turning to a female mentor or, or other mentors too and unpacking what that looks like and sometimes it means doing a little bit more research and getting into the word and really just kind of at each step saying okay god this is what i the direction I feel like you're leading me in. Help me to be obedient with that, whatever that looks like. Not because I have an ax to grind or have an agenda, but because this is truly what you're calling me to. And so I, um, I'm a people pleaser, even though I like to say I'm risky, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And um, so there are times when I think I tend to step back, because I'm like, oh, well, that's going to kind of ruffle some feathers, or that's that's going to lead to more interesting conversations that I'm not sure I'm prepared for emotionally. And so it's easier just to stay safe in my little world and be okay. Um, And so that's kind of what this whole process has led for me. I don't know that it's necessarily been some big like aha moment as terms of like the freedom that we as women have. It's been a much more personal journey for me. I came here completely content to stay in kids ministry and not necessarily do anything unconventional even though I can be unconventional. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I don't know that that's where I'm always going to end up now. And mm. so I think uh, as you look out into that unknown, um, that's where it, where I think seminary has been really, really helpful, actually. It's been a safe place to process that and to challenge those things, even even in those challenging conversations and discussions with maybe guys who don't necessarily understand what all's going on in our heads as we're navigating this stuff, um, it's been really helpful to me. Um, I think the biggest thing I would say that makes it hard just from either – whether it's either seminary or in a ministry perspective is this – when people are sitting there looking at you saying, hey, you're you're a woman, this is not open to you, and you feel called to it and you feel equipped Mm -hmm. and you feel created to do something, it becomes extremely personal And at least for me, it's hard for me to separate the two at times. Mm -hmm. And it becomes hard in those conflicted moments to communicate that clearly um, to where it's like, hey, you may think this is a doctrinal statement or a philosophical debate, but for me, what you're saying is the way God wired you and the way God equipped you is not okay for you to actually act on it in the church at in least. the church in the church at mm. least you can do whatever you want you can do whatever outside. Yeah. Okay, you want outside <laughs> but but at least in that sense and so I, I don't know that guys necessarily understand the the emotional the um identity issues that get brought up in that um, i know guys have identity issues too But I feel like, especially with stuff like our calling, especially if we're called to leadership or we're called to teaching or we're called to certain things that maybe aren't, like I said, standard for women, um, it's a lot more complex and it's – you have to really create a safe space in order to be able to dive into that. And a lot of times the conversation starts at such a level that you don't necessarily feel like you have the say, safe space to really get
3: into it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I add to that? Sorry, mm-hmm. real quick. Sure. I've had times, kind of like you're saying, to and it's hard where you're wrestling, where you genuinely want to do what God wants and you're not mm-hmm. looking to disregard Scripture. But then, like you said, God's wired you and equipped you. And I've sat in a church before, a large church, and it hit me that in May... I will have higher education than everyone in the church except for the senior pastor, and I'm not looking to overthrow the senior pastor. But I'm like, is there a place in this church for me? Like, is there a place for me to be used, not even paid position, but to be used in my giftings? And so, wrestling with that type of thing, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a real um, serious tension, and it's um, and and everybody has to negotiate it because the space that you're talking about is not something. Um, you, you end up creating for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's something that the mm-hmm. church has to give you in order uh, in order for it to work. And so uh, it can be a real uh, serious challenge uh, for everybody involved, uh, particularly in communities where there may not be agreement on what it is that a woman can or can't do, then then it becomes even trickier because then no matter what you do, someone else in the community is responding mm-hmm. to what's going on and that makes, uh, makes it tough. Um, let me at uh, least I want to stay with one more question before I throw a general one out to everyone They'll probably be the last thing we have time for and that is um, you said you wrestled with moving into ministry at all that that was a that was a hard move and God kind of slowly <laughs> drew you in. Uh, what 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 was it that that initially made you hesitant was it was it this? wrestling with the idea of uh, I'm a woman, thinking about my role in the church, and I know that at least in some traditions that, and the ones that I'm attached to, um, women aren't free to do everything. So was that part of it, or was there more to it than that?
0: Um There's probably multiple layers to it. I want to – I probably should preface this with saying I've never had any issue, at least at Bentry, with in terms of having freedom to operate in my giftedness. They're extremely accommodating um, Mm -hmm. as far as that goes. But as far as my background goes, um, I went, you know, there was this period when I was a teenager and I was always drawn to the Bible and I was always drawn to figuring out how to teach it. And I didn't quite know what to do with it mm-hmm. because well, you know this. Mm-hmm. but we went to a church mm-hmm. that was extremely conservative mm-hmm. growing up. Um, I mean, you know, you guys tell stories about I remember this, but I don't know that I knew it at the time where mom was the first one to pray out loud because women weren't allowed to pray publicly. Mm-hmm. So I so even though you grow up in that environment and you don't necessarily realize what that means, but you get the sense that there's certain things that you're just not supposed to do. And I like I said I've always felt a little bit like a fish out of water in a lot of ways. I've I'm always very self-conscious even though I like I think to project that I'm extremely confident <laughs> about who I am. I am also, like I said, a people pleaser, and I'm f- aware that not everybody can handle me at my level. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my husband will be the first to tell you that, but that's one of the reasons why he loves me. Yeah, yeah, uh, we
1: pass that on to right. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's the gift that keeps on that's giving. That's right, exactly. Um,
0: so, so like I said, this is a deeply, deeply personal decision for me, and so it would be, the, you know, that love for scripture that. Um, That whether or not I had permission to operate in those giftings, whether or not I felt, you know, we had, I think, I remember, uh, and I may remember wrongly, um, as a young girl having a lot of conversations about men and women and what was okay and what wasn't okay, and probably in my teenage hormonal craziness, you know, Mm -hmm. felt like there were going to be areas where it just wasn't going to work. And I wasn't ever going to fit into that, and so why bother trying? Mm -hmm. Why bother trying to be something I'm not when that's never going to happen and I'm going to be unhappy? But what I don't think I realized was that in completely shutting that down, I also didn't ever suspect that God might have bigger plans (laughs) and that there might be a place for somebody as unique and quirky as I am In ministry, to serve women, to serve men, to serve their children and their families, Um, and to be completely shut off by that was also not okay.
1: Yeah, Um, I I think that's an important observation. That uh, what I find people have is they have expectations about what a woman can and can't do, and their and their expectations are actually pretty narrow.
0: Correct. There's this defined little box that Mm -hmm. you have to fit in. We're not all Beth Moores. We're Mm -hmm. not all, you know we're not all, you know, all these different women that you see teaching, we, and there's nothing wrong with them. They, they have completely amazing ministries and they've changed ministry in so many ways. And I know guys feel the pressure to be like, you know, Andy Stanley or, you know, insert Mark Batterson, insert people here, but it's, I don't know if it's, at least for, for me, I feel like when you walk into a room, there's an expectation already on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this uh, fall, for the first time, I taught women. I've never done that. I could have told you before I got asked I would never do that. I'm mm-hmm. completely fine with teaching kids. They love me, and I love them. And you can't really ever – I mean, you might get a little you know, sassiness back and forth, but you, you can give it back. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard for me. It was really hard because, one, it was was something I didn't want to enter into because it opened up a bunch of junk that I was just completely content to just let stay in my closet. And it was a lot of stuff that had to do with stuff that I felt from when I was a teenager of, you know, yeah, you're going to walk into this room and you don't fit that mold. And what do you have to say to these women because they're going to look at you and they're going to see you as, well, I, I can't relate to her. And it was a completely different situation. In fact, it was really amazing. Um, And it opened my eyes to the fact that maybe, you know, my box was too small. Mm -hmm. And that I'm not necessarily giving our body enough credit for the fact that they are willing to listen to many different types of voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's part of what's been a shift in culture. I don't know if that would have flown you know, 10, 20 years ago. But at least now, um, I think part of it is the challenge to challenge our young women To step out in faith and encourage, and to be willing to put themselves out there and take those risks.
1: Well, that that makes for an interesting transition, Uh, Kim. You 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 sound like you're resonating with what it is.
2: Well, I was just going to say. I mean, I've found in particularly since graduating, it Mm -hmm. seems like the Lord kind of keeps opening up some teaching doors and some opportunities that I, strangely enough. Really don't want to do. <laughs> I've never really wanted to teach all that. I love academics. I love being in a like buried away in the library researching. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe teaching in a classroom, mm-hmm. but as far as you know, getting up and teaching. Or, or even, like, preaching, that kind of Or doing podcasts. Thing. Or doing podcasts. <laughs> like, that not really yeah. what I had in mind for myself. <laughs> yeah. um, and not really what's in my comfort zone. But it just seems like the Lord keeps opening those doors. And I've found that my, at least my training gets me the credibility I need. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with my gender. Like, mm-hmm. my training puts me in front, and they'll listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and... And then from there, you know, you kind of have to earn it a mm-hmm. little bit, and I don't know that I do. <laughs> we'll see, but long term. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I at least that's what I've found is mm-hmm. that one because I don't know because DTS has invested in me, and I've invested
3: mm-hmm. in that. People honor that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heather, how do you, how do you, you don't strike me as the shy type. So. <laughs> no, it's
3: funny because I get stereotyped by my appearance because uh-huh. I'm petite. You can't uh-huh. tell as much. I'm blonde, but uh-huh. I relate with you with like, I play fantasy football and I'm uh-huh. still working on you to play it <laughs> and surf and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to find kind of on the, I feel like a lot of my, the focus has been more on the negative, but I've found a lot of positive experiences. Like my pastor here in Dallas meets with DTS students, anyone going to ministry on a weekly basis just to talk about the stuff we don't talk about in seminary. Mm. And I remember the first time I came, I was the only girl, and they were just talking about pastors' concerns. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool, but I don't really plan on being a senior pastor. And he like that day I got home, and there was an email waiting for me saying, Hey, like we need you here. We'd love to have you here. And so it's been surprising how God has used men in very positive ways to invest in me, to believe in me. My preaching professor at Moody took me aside, really coached me through it. And so I've also had some really positive experiences when mm-hmm. people actually take the time, like you said, to invest, and then that – their investment gives me credibility as mm-hmm. well.
1: So you've got to be able to – and the, the we, several of you have been saying this, that you've got to be able to trust the church to to help you see the space that's possible as we started off on this direction point I was trying to make is, is that sometimes we do build our boxes so narrowly there are only you – know, there's next to nothing that a woman can do. Well, in fact, there's tons that a woman can do in the church and and should be doing is gifted to do and should be encouraged to do, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. being able to make that point is, is actually part of the reason why we're doing the podcast mm-hmm. is to say um, to churches, think through mm-hmm. the – the re- rich well of resources that you have available in your communities, when you, when you give women permission to function in relationship to their giftedness, and and you and you work that through biblically, the possibilities are actually quite open, and and there's lots of potential to go in lots of directions with it.
3: Can mm-hmm. I, I say sorry. something to mm-hmm. help that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I think, especially for men in mm-hmm. leadership. At least in my experience, the the encouragement of it has mm-hmm. been huge mm-hmm. for me. When, I'm shy, but mm-hmm. you know it seems like I'm shy, but you're a little bit unsure of whether you want to be in that space or whether you can be. Or you know, I, I never really cared. I was like, well, I'm just going to do it because this is all <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to do. But, so, but you know, I. But in but it seems like in all of our cases, it's taken several. Male leadership voices mm-hmm. saying, You should do this. Mm-hmm. You should do this. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the opportunity. Get up there. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So, I do think that is an important element. It's not just, okay, well, you know, you go do whatever you're going to do. Like it's investing in them and making them do stuff that might be outside of their comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's an encouragement
1: involved here that I think is is extremely important and and is something that, that that helps the church to grow and to see and uh, to see how to function as a body and to take advantage of the gifts that are available and to do so in ways uh, that are honoring. Um, boy, we're. The time's flown. Um, l- let me ask you all one quick question. What? And I like this has got to be crisp. It's got to really be short. What? <laughs> what's the one thing you would say to churches about being a young woman in ministry that you would hope they would get?
2: Mm-hmm. You're
1: going to start with me, aren't you? No,
0: I'll I'll, I'll take this one. I would say create a a mentorship or leadership pathway and be Mm -hmm. specific and intentional with it. Mm -hmm. Um, We've actually started something um, like this at Bent Tree, and it's been really cool to watch. Whether it's women mentoring women or men mentoring women, um, I think that is really, really intentional. Um, I think there's a... There's a great window of time to where you can there's, – there's value in speaking truth over young women and saying, hey, I see this in you and I mm-hmm. see this in you now. Because it's a time of life where there are a lot of other things competing for that, mm-hmm. and you don't always necessarily see truth in that.
1: Okay, well I'm, we're, we are out of time. I'm <laughs> sorry here what the other uh, responses would be, but I think th- I, I think creating that space is important. Mm-hmm. That's why we've done the podcast to make people alert, to encourage them and to have ministries think about what the possibilities are with young women because the possibilities literally are endless. We thank you for being with us today on the table and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.